Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. The show that's supposed to help you raise the bar and thrive in your aesthetics career is actually helping you survive in the NHS at the moment because we are all gripped by this global pandemic. Many of our colleagues are rushing back to help as am I starting on Wednesday to be on the front line and chip in to do what we can to help the NHS in this difficult time. So today we're not talking a lot about aesthetics, but what are we talking about, Miranda? Okay, so we're talking about PPE because this is the topic that everyone is talking about, namely because actually it's whether or not when you go back to the front line, you're going to be safe because it's one thing doing your job and helping out. And it's another thing thinking, well, actually, you know, am I going to fall victim to this horrible virus? So from my perspective, I don't, it, it just kind of seems mad to me that in this very first world country, you know, we must be in one of the, amongst one of the richest countries in the world. How are we not able to supply our health workers with the basic PPE? Well, it's a controversial topic because many people believe that they have got the correct PPE, while others still believe that they haven't. And it's down to what's basically not a binary issue. It's not black and white what is safe. Um, there is a There is an assessment that what what they're being given is safe enough in most cases. Now, there are shortages of it. That's a whole different thing. But in terms of what's actually been prescribed, the type of protective wear, um, there's a debate to be had. Um, many people believe that it is actually correct. Well, we were talking to our friend, Beatrice, who is a doctor in Hong Kong the other day. And she was just seeming to describe that everyone had like hazmat suits and the whole shebang. So, and then in my head, I thought, well, that sounds like that's a big part of the reason why they've managed to keep great control of it in Hong Kong. I think there were only 140 cases or something crazy. So am I right? Is it as simple as you, the more protected you are, the, the less likely it is to spread amongst colleagues? Well, like, like any intervention, there is um, what achieves most of the benefit um, might be less than what you could potentially do. It's a little bit like that with um, with any treatment or any intervention that you can you can do the full hog and spend a million pounds trying to solve a problem, or you can pretty much get ninety five percent of the way and solve ninety five percent of the problem right. for a hundred thousand pounds. You know, it's that kind of equation that always makes it difficult. So I don't think there's any doubt that if every single practitioner was wearing an N ninety five mask or a, a they're the FPP3 mask, which is the, the equivalent, that there would be a, a reduction in the number of cases of spread. But I don't think, I think the equation at the moment is that for the, for the difference, it wouldn't actually be worth it. So now, help me out, like what are those two things? Well, the, these are surgical masks, which are what you see most people wearing in, on the street. If you're in, you know, if you go around Hong Kong, it's normal for members of the public to wear this. Um, this is what I will have supplied to me when I'm back on the front line in general practice. So I have to say, I, when I use the word front line, I do not compare myself with these people on wards where they're just looking looking after COVID patients. Those people, I'm pretty sure, are not being provided, provided with just these masks. They'll be using uh, respirators. But th this is where it gets complex. Um, so the, the thing with this is, this is not a filter for air. It's not designed to stop bugs getting in. It's actually mainly designed to stop your bugs getting onto patients. Um, and that's the first thing to understand about this is people who are wearing these, it might help you from someone spitting in your face. So in this direction, in this in this proximity that we're in now, if you were wearing this and I was speaking to you, this might protect you from getting sick. Um, but if you're wearing it out in the supermarket, 
believing that the air that you're breathing in is going to be somehow filtered, you're wasting your time. And I think that's where people get confused. This is not an air filter. It's a barrier. That's the best way to think about it. It does a degree of filtering like anything, but think of it more as a barrier. And that also depends on how you think these viruses are spread. And this is where there's another possibly false dichotomy, which is they, they are described as either airborne or droplet spread. And droplets are basically visible drops of saliva that come out of your mouth when you cough and you can see them go pew and they may be blown a little bit but they think they're about at one to two meters that they can spread uh, and then aerosols um, so some viruses do live a very well-known viruses and live in uh, basically live in the air and float around for hours uh, probably the best example is measles so measles can float in the air for many hours so if you get into a lift after an elevator after someone's gone in there an hour afterwards you can get sick which is why the average person who has measles in an unvaccinated population will infect 17 other people. So because it's so easy to spread, whereas most of the, the viral infections that are more droplet spread infect far fewer people because the droplet doesn't live in the air that long. Now, my understanding is that the tricky bit is, does that mean that if you wear something that is a something that will defend you from a droplet, that it's impossible that you don't get a small amount of an aerosol basically effectively aerosoled uh, amount of the virus in through the side of your mask. And the answer is, of course not. Of course, that happens too. These are, these are not black and white things. All these viruses have different sizes. They're on a spectrum. There isn't a, a, a line that magically the virus knows, oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to be a droplet. I'm supposed to be an aerosol or vice versa. There, there, there is a bell curve of spread. So um, it's, not, it's made to be a black and white issue because that makes us makes it so much easier to handle. But the truth is, that there will be cases of people inhaling this virus from people who've just coughed maybe five minutes before, haven't spat on their face, but there are enough of these little droplets. Uh, I saw one uh, Japanese study that's they're starting to call them micro droplets. So something in between droplet and aerosol is a micro droplet. And effectively, you can you can watch them using a laser. You can literally watch these droplets after a big cough. You see the big droplets dive to the floor and you see the other droplets just drift over and basically in a big cloud of tiny micro droplets they do spread across the room now there will be a lower dose on those and there is that they aren't as dangerous as a big dose of a uh, droplet covered in in virus but this it's still possible and i think this is where the, all the controversy comes is we're desperate to to be black and white and say this is the right mask and this is not the right mask and the truth is actually none of them give you 100 percent protection they just give you an increasing amount of protection um, and none of them are useless either they all do something um, but that's where it gets really tricky. So, for example, we got given one of these by my colleague who had gone to Romania and he bought a couple and gave us a couple. So I went to the seed market with this a couple of days ago. So that's for something that could, you know, just around it about. Also, you're going to use this in general practice. When would you, and this is actually from your DIY, isn't it? You just have this in your shed. So when would you start to use this? So the current guidelines are that if you're in front of a, a suspectedly infected patient, so if I see someone in accident emergency with chest pain um, who got it on exertion, so it's not we're not suspecting it's a COVID infection, then you might not wear that. You might you might just wear one of these masks, which is actually primarily protecting you from spitting on the patient, and might protect them from spitting directly onto your lip or something like that. Um, but you wouldn't wear one of these. And there are reasons that that might be good because like anything, it's more complex in reality because reality is if you've got a tight fitting mask on all shift and you don't need to, that's going to make your shift harder. Mm. Um, it's going to make you touch your face more often. 
Um, there are downsides to masks as well, which is why we also currently don't recommend the public wear them in this country, although they do in other countries, um, because of this oh, really? this touching of faces. So thing. I shouldn't have gone to the supermarket with that? Uh, probably not, no. That's not the advice. Um, so it's more that people feel safer wearing them. That's one of the reasons. Um, and when I say probably not, that's according to our government's advice. If you live in a different country, they do advise you. I think one of the interesting philosophical things that's happening is that I, I think in the Western world, we have a slant towards the individual protecting themselves. And I think in other countries, there's a bit more emphasis on you better do this to protect the people around you. Mm. Um, because I think that's the best reason to wear a mask is probably that if in case you're in the early stages of it, you're not coughing everywhere and, yeah. and infecting more people. It's not as effective preventing you from getting it from other people who are coughing near you, which is why I think if you're if you're a GP, Personally, my my feeling about these masks is the best person to have it on is your patient that you don't know yet what they've got. They should all be wearing it. But I tell you what we're shorter of than masks is GPs, nurses, doctors. Um, they need to be protected because when you run out of those, who cares about masks? Like, I think one of the interesting things about this whole debate is three weeks ago, you could have made a much more solid argument why it's not worth spending, you know, mm. having the most expensive mask because we knew the numbers were small, but they're growing so fast that if you've been tripling, doubling or two and a half times sometimes what the numbers are every five days, suddenly in your community, you've now got many more, many more times people with the illness. So um, it makes sense to increase the amount of protective gear you have, the more common the virus gets. Um, so it depends on the timing as well, because, you know, as we knew maybe back in January, there probably wasn't any point even wearing a surgical mask because all the coughs and colds you were seeing were almost certainly not coronavirus. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's all different now. Like as as this wave, and it is, it feels, for those of us monitoring all the time, it feels like a tsunami heading our way. Um, then it makes sense, you want to be prepared for it. So we should be wearing masks. And my inbox, because I, um, everyone knows that I'm into mindset. And so people kind of turn to me for, more of the emotional support my inbox is blowing up and one of the things that people are feeling is anger like why the hell are we not being protected i'm being asked to go into battle without armor mm -hmm. well that's a, it's a very valid question um because um the, the when you actually look at global pandemics um it's not something that we could have predicted. It's actually just inevitable. It's way more than a, something you could predict. They are going to happen every so often. We know they're going to happen. And we know that they're going to sweep the world because we're so well connected. There's, no, there's nothing actually surprising that's happening right now. Um, we didn't know when. That's the surprise that was this year and not in five years' time. Um, but actually, there's, there is a damn good argument to say we should have been prepared for this. There should have been stockpiles of basic protective equipment for healthcare workers, absolutely. To, to suddenly then try and buy it when the whole world's trying to buy it, that's a failure. And I don't think we will ever make that mistake again. I think you'll find that we will suddenly next time have stockpiles of these basics because it's um, you shouldn't have to scrabble around at the last minute. Um, there's also possibly a you know the fact that the government had a different strategy initially. They were going more for this... Um, herd immunity strategy, which is basically let people get sick, hope you can control the rate that they get sick. Let the well people get sick. Yeah, so the, the herd, herd immunity strategy is that you, you control who gets sick and you control the rate that they get sick uh, and you protect the, the weak people. So if you're over 70, you hide away. And if you're not, you, you, you take basic precautions, but you carry on with your normal life. 
And I think what they realized when they looked at Italy and when they were looking at their own numbers, it was growing so fast and the number of sick people was so high that they had to change strategy and, and go into lockdown. Let's talk about that, that, that fear, like that dread, that moment where you wake up at three in the morning thinking, oh my God, like I'm putting myself at risk. Is, it, is this even worth, like I should just quit and just go and live on an island or something like as far away as I can get. How do you deal with that kind of emotion? I, I personally swing between the two of, because I, I do have the option of not going um, and not being involved at all. But especially when you see colleagues die, like um, it's Adel Al-Tahar, uh, who is an ENT, is a, um, an organ transplant specialist who was volunteering in an A&E department who caught it, 63, died on Wednesday. Um, and... There is also another consultant, Amjad Al-Harani. Uh, so he was, he's also passed away. His 18-year-old son gave a lovely tribute to him. But he, he looks younger than 63. I don't see his age. But, you you know, these these are guys that I really relate to. I was trained by by people like that, you know. And it's, um, you, you don't want to, I, I want to be involved somehow. I, 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 want, I want to be chipping taking some strain from from the whole system and i know i'm at the currently not going to be really frontline but it's all you know i, I feel like you want to you want to be with your tribe as they go through these things mm-hmm. so if you are you've made the decision because it sounds like that's what's what's helped you make that decision is that you just want to help in mm-hmm. whatever way you can so let's say you made the decision or the decision is kind of made for you because you've got to put bread on the table and you're in contract, etc. You can't just go and hide. How then do we manage our emotions folk, when if we are feeling the dread that we're going to pass it on to our children and our loved ones and we might have, you know, how, how do we manage that? Um, well, I'll be honest, I don't actually worry about passing it on to my children. As I think I've said before, I'd be more, more worried about passing it on to you. Um, so you've, you've got to, you've, you've just got to take all the precautions that you can. I mean, I, I would take some certainty from the fact that, um, actually, well, here's, here's a way that just popped into my head is that you, you, you might actually be saving your loved one in an indirect way by going to work and chipping away at the number of people who are get infected and pass it on. So if you're at work and the NHS isn't crumbling and your, your particular hospital doesn't shut its doors to new patients because there are so many and those patients therefore can keep being seen in the hospital rather than dying in the community you might i might actually indirectly stop you from getting it at asda in in a year's time because i went to work and helped a little bit in the system so there's a you may not be protecting your family by not being by not going forward it's it's a lot like a war that's how it feels to me like it, it is you know you can hide or you can go and, and take a risk personally, but but in the long run you're doing it for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. So that's one way of offsetting it. And then if you if you accept that, then the, the next thing is you just got to focus on what you have got control over. So you know I'm really thinking about how I'm going to lay out my room. Um, you know I'm buying some scrubs so I won't wear the same clothes back home. Um, those sort of things help you um, feel more in control. And, and it has actually right now, because you've asked me that question, it's helped me to realize that um, that there is an you're indirectly are decreasing the risk for everyone. So that includes your family. So the, the right thing for your family might be to take a risk. Mm-hmm. But when you are in that moment at three in the morning and you've sat up 
bolt bolt upright, you know, thinking, oh my God, like, I just don't know whether I can do this. Like, this is a level of anxiety that would probably normally have people, see people off, you know, sick with mental health issues, but you've made the decision you're going to go in. How do we help with our own mental health around this? One of the things uh, that I've realised in with my own anxiety over various things is that you, it's not okay to dwell on stuff that makes you feel awful. Like, (laughs) (laughs) sounds obvious, but But it's, but your brain will take you there constantly wants you to resolve the issue. So it takes you back to the uncertain situation. And then unfortunately, for some reason, what we tend to do is instead of plot out practical things we can do to keep ourselves safe, we instead play ourselves the impact of the problem over and over in our head and and usually exacerbate it so you know not only will something bad happen but there'll be knock-on effects of that bad thing happening and everything will you you can almost create the worst possible scenario out of even small threats catastrophizing yeah catastrophizing if you have a good a good imagination will you can ruin yourself with it um so you need to uh as quickly as possible, realize that that is that it's not okay to feel to feel anxious about this in this way. Like, I mean, some people may may not agree with this, but actually, I have to reject anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ha- I haven't had had real anxiety for a long time, but I've had it in the past badly enough that I've learned that I cannot allow that myself to go there. I, it's almost like uh, it's like learning to snowboard. I remember when I was learning to snowboard that if you I, if you caught the edge on the board, you'd fall and would hurt. And I quickly realized the association of leaning forward made me feel scared. Um, and I would stop myself from leaning forward because that was what was tripping me up. And it's a bit like that with anxiety. I've learned those initial feelings when you start to weigh up a problem, you have to knock it on the head straight away. Because if you allow yourself to go in there and explore that, you can start a, a cycle. It's a bit like a fire where you're, all you, you're just ruminating, going round and round in circles, playing out the worst case scenario and feeling awful and not actually achieving anything. Anxiety is sometimes a bigger threat than even COVID-19 because you can, you, you know, you might be one of the many, most 85% of people or probably a lot more who basically have fairly mild symptoms. And meanwhile, you can make yourself hor- horribly anxious um, and very, very unwell um, and suffer when uh, through not being able to control your thoughts um, and focus on the right things. I think that's such a, such an important point. And this goes back to our society. We don't look at mental health as much as physical health and we absolutely need to and that's such a good point you could screw yourself with your anxiety more than than covid could and that might sound a little bit insensitive so it's all right for you to say you're not on the front line but actually i do see that as a genuine threat and that thought alone might help people watching this to actually say no this is not acceptable i'm looping i'm going to say something slightly controversial which is I think our society actually talks about mental health a lot, but they talk about it as as if something as if it's something out of people's control, and they talk about it as if it's something that happens to you through no fault of your own. And my experience is you can do it to yourself, and I actually think most people do do it to themselves. Um, now that's a con- very controversial thing to say, but I've been down this route myself of of focusing for so long on something that was really awful that I couldn't control, and be- and be getting caught in a loop and, and actually doing is doing it partly out of choice and actually ending up feeling that way because I, I didn't learn how to control it. So as soon as you can control it, um, it, you realize it's a choice and we can't make everyone a victim of it. We must be kind to people and support them, but actually there's part of, there's part of them that needs to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to have to change what I'm doing here or it's never going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's complex because the, I still think you can, 
think your way in and out of it. Um, but you have to accept that you're in control before you do that. Mm. Well, I mean, this topic is just absolutely mega. We'll definitely, in fact, we've got plans to to explode this topic out, haven't we? So keep keep watching for more and more on this. But I hope that's given you guys enough to at least challenge your thoughts around it. So what do you think? What do you think about the PP situation in the NHS? And what do you think about mental health confronting this uncertainty as a nation and as a healthcare provider? Drop us a note in the comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and stay tuned for our next show, which should be in about a week's time. Take care.